Taves, light circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Taves! Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! Kane, he's set it up by Carpenter to slice, and he scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Zach Smith enters the Sabre zone, put it down the right wing here. Doc with the back, and he scores! Kirby Doc! Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines concerning your Chicago Blackhawks. Kane now with three, put it across the ring, and shoots, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer from the left circle. Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio. Joined, as always, by Blackhawks reporter, weekend sports anchor, Joe Cool, Joe Brand. We also learned in the last po- last podcast he's doing other podcasts, other sports podcasts. He is a jack-of-all-trades. I haven't been called Joe Cool since my mom used to buy me the little <laughs> Snoopy t-shirts when I was a kid. So thanks for bringing that back. Well, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Kevin Powell who mentioned how cool how cool your baseball podcast was with with Connor McKnight. I guess he did. So yeah. so Kevin's- I put the hashtag out there. I don't know if it's spread like wildfire yet, but. Uh, I'm trying. We'll I'm see. Trying. Well, yeah, we appreciate it. Appreciate well, Kevin, too. Well, he, he is the coolest guy in this room by far right now, Joe Brand is, and uh, very cool about the Blackhawks advancing to the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and what do you know, they will get to see a familiar face who has helped lead, which are already a very good Vegas Golden Knights team, to the number one seed. So as a result, those Vegas Golden Knights and Robin Leonard will match up with the 12th seeded Chicago Blackhawks, and it was just this season for the first time the Hawks finally found a way to beat the Golden Knights. They went 1-1-1 and against them this season. A uh, shootout loss here in Chicago with Robin Leonard in net for the Blackhawks. Then they won with Corey Crawford in net in Vegas. And uh, then the third meeting, I want to say, was also a Corey Crawford game in which they were kind of skunked in Vegas by a final score of 5-1. to one. But this is the storyline that everybody's going to gravitate to. And even though you and I were talking before we started off here, here Joe, about the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury has been the face of that franchise, the guy... Uh, who helped them on that historic run in their very first season. Uh, The way Robin Leonard has played, plus this uh, interesting dynamic for this particular series, Leonard's been 5-0 as a Golden Knights uh, goaltender uh, since the Blackhawks traded him there, and that includes two victories in what was a very tough and very competitive round robin that they came out on top of. Yeah, so actually uh, they both kind of had a somewhat down performance in one of those round-robin games, but Robin Leonard, I believe, had the first and uh, stopped, what, 95% of the shots, so you and I were talking about it. I, I think we're in agreement that we would probably see Robin Leonard for Game 1. I guess it is up for discussion, but uh, and this is why Vegas traded to get some goaltending depth. You've got the experience, the veteran guy in Marc-Andre Fleury, a proven winner, and almost brought them to the promised land in the first year of existence, but, I mean, Robin Leonard knows the Blackhawks. He he has, like you said, you, you brought up the numbers, has been solid since joining this Vegas team. I totally forgot about 
his problems with shootouts, though, and now that can't even work in the Blackhawks' favor because we're in the actual playoffs. I totally forgot about that until you brought it up. Yeah, I brought it up yesterday because uh, on, on Saturday afternoon, in that game that decided the first seed between Colorado and Vegas, and man, what a high and mighty-powered matchup that was uh, between two great teams. And they went to overtime. They hit about the four-and-a-half-minute mark. And I'm wondering, okay, is the number one seed going to be decided by Robin Leonard's ability in the shootout against the Colorado Avalanche? Well, it turns out Alex Tuck scores with about 30 seconds or so to play in that overtime, sparing Robin, uh, uh, sparing all of us, uh, seeing how Robin would do in a shootout, not to mention Robin himself. But uh, that certainly set things up. And by the way, folks, so we're just we're just – Starting with the lead here, we're not trying to bury what the Blackhawks have accomplished against the Edmonton Oilers to advance to this series because we will certainly get around to that. But shortly after the game, there was Robin, the panda on social media, once again tweeting some things out, including an awkward alert gif. And, um, you know, he was even responding to a couple of couple of tweeters talking about, all right, who has the upper hand? Do Blackhawk skaters have the upper hand because they practice against him all year? Is it the goalie who has the upper hand? It's a never-ending debate. But uh, we also got to hear from the Blackhawks as well for the first time since learning that they would, in all likelihood, be facing Robin Leonard, if that's the way Peter DeBoer goes, the uh, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights who is hired since the Blackhawks faced them in all three meetings this year before the firing of Gerard Gallant. And uh, they have definitely taken a conservative tack when it when it comes to questions about their former teammate, who I think all of them really loved and enjoyed while he was around. We enjoyed him because he told it like it was. And, um, you know, once he was traded, I think Robin kind of leaned on a little bit of revisionist history about perhaps, you know, having an unfair hand dealt his way shortly before the trade deadline. But um, uh, as you'll hear here in a moment, the, the Blackhawks taking a very conservative, respectful but conservative approach. And I think Robin, for, for the most part, did the same thing after the game on Saturday when he was at the podium, saying that they're a very good team, but he likes where he is now, and uh, uh, he really is enjoying the team that he's on right now. Um, we actually have some breaking news. I mean, when people will be listening to this, it won't be as breaking, but... Uh, Max Pacioretty is in the bubble, according to Peter DeBoer, and he's expected to be ready for Game 1. Yeah, he missed all the entire round-robin series with the mystery surrounding him as well. So that's a huge offensive asset that they're going to add into a lineup that, uh, what were my numbers? Uh, They averaged five goals a game during this round-robin against the likes of Colorado and Dallas and St. Louis. So that is pretty good. Well, and I, I didn't mean to steer our conversation because I, I do believe the lead still is Robin Leonard going against his former team. It is crazy. I mean, I was thinking about it when we were doing these podcasts during the regular season. That was our main conversation point was Robin Leonard, Corey Crawford, who should be playing? Uh, should Jeremy Collinton continue just alternating them or going with the hot hand? And it really just never seemed like there was a, a bad decision because both goaltenders were performing so well. Um, and, and then it goes down to the trade deadline. Did the Hawks get enough for him? And then we thought we were in, even going to have hockey. And then here we are talking about the Hawks moving on to the next round. But uh, yeah, it, it really should be exciting. I, I don't think anyone has the advantage from Leonard being on the Blackhawks. I mean, 
you got players knowing his tendencies. He knows the Hawks' tendencies. I just think it's going to come down to who outworks what team, and it's definitely an uphill ba- battle for the Blackhawks, but it was an uphill battle against Edmonton, too. Let's hear uh, three players uh, were on the podium Sunday afternoon for the Blackhawks in Edmonton, and then they were followed by Jeremy Kautz. And the only player who answered questions concerning Robin Leonard was Dylan Strom. Uh, you will hear uh, the uh, respectful but very conservative, not willing to dive into the deep end, getting into details about uh, what he was like as a teammate and uh, how much he was uh, liked and whatnot. So first you'll hear from Dylan Strome when asked about the prospect of going up against Robin Leonard. That is followed by head coach Jeremy Colleton. He was a great teammate and he's a great goalie. I think our focus is on Vegas as a whole. You know, obviously the goaltender is a big part of their team. Um, I think we just got to, you know, continue to do uh, the right things and play the right way and and the chances for us will come. Robin's proven over the over the years he's a, a great goaltender, and he's out in the playoffs as well. So it's a it's a great test for us. He's a great goaltender. Um, I think our focus is is uh, on Vegas as a whole. But uh, looking forward to, to playing against him. Like I said, he's a, he's a great goalie, and you know he's uh, you know a guy that like you said we, we shot a lot of practice, and you know, he's definitely a, a very vocal guy, and he, he likes to have fun, and you know, he's a good teammate. Uh, like I said before, I think our, our our main focus is just on on Vegas as a whole, and you know, he's a, he's a part of their team, and uh, he's a good player. Um, but we got a lot, to, a lot to worry about with them. So we're gonna do our best to, to obviously score from on him. And and uh, I think, like I said, our, our main focus is on Vegas and and uh, you know the team as a whole. There's turnover in the league. There's changes every year. So I don't think it's that uh, you know it's not that out of the ordinary that you're gonna face an old teammate in the playoffs. Um, you know, we obviously when we prepare. For, for Vegas, uh, he, he's part of it that, that we got to prepare, but we're focused on uh, their whole group and, and how we're going to beat him. Listen, he was a big part of our team uh, when he was here, but at the same time, it's over, and uh, we, our total focus is on on beating Vegas, and uh, that's what we're going to. That's what we're going to talk about. I think the line in the desert sand has been uh, drawn. I don't know how much sand there is in Edmonton or the line in the ice has been drawn with uh, how far the Blackhawks want to go with this because uh, they are taking a very businesslike approach whether it is Robin Leonard, who we all think it will be, at least to start the series, or Marc-Andre Fleury. But, uh, you know, even um, the Blackhawks' Twitter account yesterday after the Vegas Golden Knights uh won their game, the Blackhawks Twitter account said, let's dance Golden Knights with a uh, picture of the the Blackhawks facing the Golden Knights from earlier this season, and that was liked by Robin <laughs> Leonard. So uh, he's getting out there in, in his in his usual way, and um, uh, I tried to ask Jeremy a little bit about the relationship that, that he had during his time here, during that Zoom conference call on Sunday, and uh, that was the second half of Jeremy's response, saying, great while he was here, great teammate, but we're focused primarily on the Vegas Golden Knights as a team. And um, it's probably the right right to course to take. You can't let one guy, a former teammate, or one player try to get in your head, even though Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl tried to do that to the Hawks in the previous series. Uh, you can't let a guy who you were sharing a locker room with for basically two-thirds to three-quarters of what was the season prior to the pause, uh, you cannot get too preoccupied at least until you rain goals on him or he completely shuts you out when the, when the action starts. Yeah, I mean, that that idea, I, I think it's hard for 
a goalie to get into the opposing team's head. I can see a goal or a team being in a, a opposing goalie's head. It's just it's kind of tough to work that way because there's so many players going at the goaltender. Uh, but let's face it, everyone uh, for the most part, the majority of people really enjoyed Robin Leonard's time here. It seemed like he was well liked in the locker room. Um, how often did we see him try to amp up the team for? playing to their standards, mm-hmm. what they should, and, and the talent that this team has. And a lot of times the Blackhawks did not do that, and, and Robin Leonard was very vocal, but he was always willing to admit when he did something wrong or something not good enough. I think that's why uh, reporters especially liked him the, the best. It's hockey, and it's the Blackhawks. You're going to get those business-like approaches. Uh, it, it's not too surprising. I, I thought maybe Jeremy Colleton would go a little bit deeper, but as we're talking about Jeremy Colleton, I mean, this dude seems to be zoned in, and I think he seems to be soaking up every single moment of this whole playoff procedure, as he should. I mean, this is a guy that's that's worked his way to a head coaching position. You might hear some people and some naysayers that say he, he got the position in a unlikely situation, but he's at where he's at because of his hard work as well, and this guy... I mean, he made some changes. He made some adjustments. The Blackhawks outperformed Edmonton in this series. I do believe the Oilers shot themselves in the foot a lot in those four games, making a lot of bad penalties, not performing to their standards at the power play. But but kudos to this head coach and this team for being where they're at. Now, I do think they have to work a lot harder than they did in that previous series. But this is a team that's starting to get a little revamped energy, a little revamped enthusiasm. And it's going to take a lot more guys. This team needs to be deeper in this next series. There's no doubt about that. There have been guys that have underperformed. That can't happen against a team like uh, the Vegas Golden Knights because they are a lot deeper than Edmonton. Yeah, and they roll four lines in that fourth line. We saw them in the game against Colorado with Carrier, Nosek, and Ryan Reeves uh, score a a big goal in that game that was needed. Uh, That's certainly not foreign to them, but... Uh, yeah, whether it was Gerard Gallant, the original head coach of this franchise, or now Peter DeBoer, he has a lot at his disposal. And we mentioned Max Pacioretty getting four consecutive negative tests out of quarantine. He's going to start practicing with the Vegas Golden Knights this week, and that's a six-time 30-goal scorer that you're adding to the arsenal, which was already pretty powerful. As I said, averaging five goals a game in those three round robin no pun intended, uh, games right there. So before we hear from Corey, let's just go back. And shortly after Robin was traded, we were talking about this on a podcast and we played some of Robin's quotes to the Vegas media at the time about, you know, scratching his head a little bit about losing the net, uh, to Corey and how it got more and more difficult to find the net as the trade deadline approached when everyone thought that the Blackhawks uh, would be out there shopping Robin Leonard. But uh, what you and I were discussing back at the time, back in, in February, was, you know, Robin got hurt in that game in Vancouver in January. He had, for the most part, taken the net from Corey, was playing very well, and wasn't really allow- playing well enough, so, you know, he wasn't allowing Corey to take the crease. Once he got injured, though, and sat out about a week or so, to my recollection, when he uh, wrenched his knee uh, in that game in Vancouver. Uh, Corey came in, played really well, and then when Robin got the opportunity, as you might expect, following coming off a little bit of an injury layoff, uh, his standard wasn't quite as high, and Corey was playing better. So in my eyes, and I think in a lot of observers' eyes, Jeremy was just going with the the hot hand at that time, and it had just happened to coincide with the fact the trade deadline was approaching, and also 
this is a very important matter to discuss right now. There was the matter of the possibility of trying to resign Robin Leonard for what was probably going to be in the five to seven million dollar range. And now that we know the salary cap is going to remain flat when we thought it might go up to eighty five or eighty six million dollars. I'm not saying it's necessarily the right move from picking one goaltender or another. From a financial standpoint, it may end up uh, being the right move, you know, especially if Corey can see this playoff series out and he is willing to come back and re-sign with the Hawks on a short-term, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, cheaper basis. So uh, all these ingredients are kind of mixed into this whole scenario where, you know, I think we have to remember what Jeremy's thinking was at the time because Robin did, in fact, uh, get hurt, and, and Corey did a great job in the final 20 starts that he made in the regular season. It is crazy how many story changes this year has had, and, and the fact that we were talking about Robin Leonard as a Chicago Blackhawk as recently as February, that seems like a year and a half ago already. <laughs> um, but but it, it came down to, no, I mean, you're right, it, it came down to either Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford in terms of who is going to be our short-term goalie, who could possibly be our long-term goalie, and I'm speaking as if the Blackhawks are saying this, and also we were talking about the idea of possibly one or the other being traded or both possibly being dangled out there to see what you can get. Who knows what was happening behind closed doors, but at some point Corey Crawford's resume has to come into the consideration. Corey Crawford's experience with the Blackhawks has to come into consideration, and that's going to be not put to the test with this because you you would want Corey Crawford in the playoffs anyone else in this situation but that is going to show why they stuck with Corey coming up I'm not putting money on the Blackhawks or anything right now but you saw what type of difference he was for this team because he wasn't even preparing in training camp they were talking from day one how much confidence he puts in this team, how his even-keel attitude puts the whole rest of the team at ease. You saw that happen in this series, and you saw a goaltender get better with every game because he was basically going through training camp in the qualifying round series. But it just goes to show you what type of competitor Corey Crawford is and just the raw talent he holds because he's able to just hop right in and do all that. Nevertheless, whether you whether you guys are totally on, 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 on our side con- concerning how this all unfolded or not, it's a juicy storyline heading into this first-round playoff series against the Vegas Golden Knights. And this is a Blackhawks team that has a little bit more belief now. They probably need that belief going up against a team like Vegas, who they finally defeated for the first time for the in the third season that, that Vegas is in existed. The Blackhawks finally found a way to beat them or even get some points off of them as well. But uh, that brings us back to Corey Crawford. It will be Crow on one end. I would have to believe Robin Leonard on the other to start this series. And, you know, it was fairly evident through the first three games of this series against Edmonton. Crow was still trying to find his legs, uh, his timing, his rebound control, um, his vision. And then he comes up with what at times still looked like a, a, a shaky time in the net where, you know, he'd, he'd be jumping out of the crease. Uh, we all know Corey Crawford to be, when he is on, he is calm. There is a conservation of movement. He is the opposite of Robin Leonard, and it was wild throughout most of that series, and it even continued in that fourth game against Edmonton when Corey was called upon to make 41 saves, 20 in the third period, in order to preserve that victory. So maybe this is uh, the last step that he needs in order to make that uh, that. Uh, 
Next step that I think he and probably everyone else is looking for when we know and see Corey Crawford at his best. Yeah, what was it, game two when he comes out of the crease and he just misses the puck right mm-hmm. underneath his stick? Um, yeah, that's that wouldn't happen in game four, or at least it didn't look like the same Corey Crawford in game four because he was slowly improving and getting better with each game. I do think you're right that the rebound aspect probably still needs some improvement, but that should just come with it. Uh, but you're seeing a more vintage Corey Crawford where, again, how we've always talked about it, it's not the highlight reel saves because he's always pretty much in the right positioning. And he, he knows and he, he could, he's he got great awareness of the ice. He can read the play coming up. And, uh, I mean, he does credit it to a lot of teamwork. I do think the defense did a very fine job in this previous series. But the other thing that's important is Corey Crawford has to maintain this this uh, incline of, of ability uh in this next series, he either needs to stay where he was at in Game Four or be even better, because that is what is going to allow this team to keep moving forward: is consistency and full out participation. I love how every time Jeremy Colleton says, "We just need to get a lot of guys going. Uh-huh. We need a lot of guys going. It's never, it's never. We need everyone to step up. We need to get guys going. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's that's the uh, the go to line for him. Will be needed in this series against Vegas. Let's hear from Corey, who was named the number one star in that. Friday night clincher, game four against the Edmonton Oilers again after he made 41 saves. And he talked about uh, his comfort level as we record here on Sunday afternoon. He's been back on the ice for exactly two weeks as he made it just under the wire in that final training camp practice two weeks ago. Now he has four and a half games under his belt if you count the exhibition against St. Louis. And uh, here he talked about his comfort level and the fact having to come back from the great mystery of how each individual in this world who has contracted coronavirus, um, how he was able to manage it, handle it, and work his way back to what is now a first-round playoff series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, it wasn't the best uh, scenario. Uh, I would like to add a few more, few more practices, uh, weeks of practice, and see more pucks coming into the coming into the series. But I mean, uh, it is what it is, and just trying to work hard to. To, to be ready and I think obviously uh, I felt way better each game playing each game and just seeing uh, different scenarios and uh, situations uh, once you get more more of that then just the better you feel so I think there's still some some work to do I thought our guys uh, our d-men our forwards too um, you know everyone was helping out in our zone um, seemed like there was a lot of pucks uh, laying around in front of the net in the third period when they were pressing. And, you know, our guys did a great job of, of getting sticks and letting me cover it or clear it. So, I mean, it's a total team effort. Um, but uh, we, we obviously we, we want to get better. It's tough luck to, to get that right before we were starting camp. You know, we'd like to have more time uh, to get ready. But I guess, uh, you know, it was it was over with and... And I was starting to feel better at the right time, and uh, able to start practicing hard and, and get into the get into the first game. So to, uh, the guy the guys played great. So I was able to to kind of hide hide back there for for a little bit until I started feeling comfortable. And you know, it's still uh, still I don't think it, at the top of my game, but um, it was definitely better. Two guys who shared locker stalls or one right next to another. They were neighbors in the Blackhawks dressing room uh, for much of this 2019-2020 season. They'll be on opposite ends of the ice in all likelihood when uh, game number one happens between the Blackhawks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Corey save percentage has been on a steady incline through the four games of the playoffs. It is now up to 889. Um, 
the by the way the, the combination save percentage between Corey and Robin over the course of the year with the Blackhawks was nine thirteen, and Corey's numbers were even better. Um, in uh, once once Robin left, his save percentage went up to what was it nine twenty eight over wow. the last twenty games of the season. Corey at eight eighty nine. It does take a village. Those those defensemen, those those forwards are going to have to be ready to jump on those rebounds in the event it's still an issue with Corey. And you know, I would say. At least half of the even strength goals, what even strength goals that, that McDavid and Dreisaitl did score in that series against Corey Crawford, a lot of them were, you know, within that perimeter below the circles when a rebound would be given up, uh, or, uh, you know, shorter distance shots. So, uh, that's something to keep an eye on against a high energy, high octane Vegas Golden Knights team that continues to, uh, just bring waves uh, of of uh, all four lines being run at you, and nothing has changed since their first year in the league when they made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Now, you were talking about Jeremy Colleton, and it, it was also interesting listening to him with that first notch on his belt, that first accomplishment, even though he will downplay it, uh, the fact that he has a team in a postseason scenario. Granted, it's a, a very unique and unusual one, but finding a way to win over a higher seed I don't. I didn't see anyone at NHL.com uh, pick the Blackhawks in this series. I don't know if I would have picked the Blackhawks either. But he found a way as the head coach to get his team to take the next step. And uh, you were talking about, and we'll hear from Jeremy as well about just the growth curve of this team and what a challenge that has to be against when he first took over for Joel. You know, kind of trying to rewire guys who only uh, very, very accomplished and future Hall of Famers who really knew only one way to do things over the previous 10 years, trying to get them to understand and buy in. And it took a while. And finally, we've seen some signs of of that group accomplishing some something uh, together uh, with what we saw last week in Edmonton. I'm going to go one step further than you and say, I don't think anybody in the world predicted the Hawks to win in four games. Unfortunately, I think David Hochberg might be the only person that guessed that. He said that to is me. Is that during... unfortunate? Oh, <laughs> you'll never that, hear the end of it? That's what I keep telling him. I go, oh. this is great, but the worst thing is you were right. Uh, <laughs> he, he buzzed over to me in the intercom the day before game one. But, um, yeah, I, look, I, I know it's easy to just be completely absorbed by this run that the Blackhawks are on right now. Granted, it's four games, but this is a team that can shape up very well in the postseason because of the way it's constructed with your veterans who have this playoff experience, these young guys that have this added energy, uh, this whole rejuvenation where they don't know the playoff atmosphere, so this is new to them. Now, of course, there are some that are performing better than others. Obviously, Kirby Doc is is really showing his status and really showing what type of player he can be, and I know we keep talking about him, but, but it, he has to be given credit with all the hard work he did during this quarantine to sit, situate himself up to be such a playmaker in a playoff series like this. Um, but the contribution needs to come through all four lines. Yeah, and and uh, you know there were some uh, some great performances in that series. But yeah, you're you're looking for more from Nylander and and Strom, who mm-hmm. scored the first goal for the Blackhawks in the series. Uh, perhaps a little bit more from Alex Dabrinkit, hoping you, his 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 shot finds its way once again. And to be quite honest, it was even kind of a quiet series for Patrick Kane as well. Right. And and you know he he finishes in four games with four points, a point a game. But uh, some of those 
dangerous opportunities, and they moved him around a little bit. And, you know, once they put him with DeBrickett and uh, Doc, uh, you saw a little bit more of Patrick Kane, but you know there's probably going to be some more uh, higher octane coming from from Patrick Kane, or you would think, in this series. So let's get back to Jeremy. You'll also hear him in a bit. uh, We'll we'll come back from, from this segment, but we also hear him in a bit give high praise to the captain and how fortunate he feels to have a guy like Kirby Doc follow that lead that Jonathan Taves does. You'll hear that in a little bit, but first here's about four minutes of Jeremy kind of reflecting on the journey that this team has taken, uh, not only from the course of when he took over uh, a couple of Novembers ago, but during the course of this season where he finally saw what appeared to be the light go on, or at least the light stay on a little bit longer when that happened. Uh, Here's Jeremy after the Friday night win about uh, seeing this team grow grow even further with this opportunity against Edmonton and now the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, as well as how they made strides throughout the season. The rules changed for how they would uh, decide who was going to get in. Um, but from our perspective, it's it's just an opportunity. And uh, they've changed the tournament, and they're still going to award the Stanley Cup at the end. So uh, it's all about what you do with it. And uh, our group, I just... Right from the time we we got to camp, uh, they've been totally committed, and the work ethic has been excellent, and uh, it's uh, given us a chance to win. So um, the break, we have an extremely young team, a lot of players who are getting their first chance, uh, you know, to, to play in these types of games. You know, we have the the older guys who have the pedigree, but there's just a handful of them, and the rest of our guys are for for the most part pretty young. So I thought we got better as the year went on. I think our team, um, there was a transformation from, you know, training camp to March. And then all those guys got a chance to take a little break and think about, reflect on the season they'd gone through and, and they'd take another step. And uh, to me, that's probably the biggest reason why I think we're a better team now. The message has been that uh, if you're willing to, approach the game a certain way and have a have a mentality that you're willing to put the team before yourself that uh, you can win I think a lot of teams in this league can win say almost all of them can win if they're willing to uh, approach the game in in that way and uh, I think it's been so rewarding to see our team embrace that and you know again getting back to there's so many young players it's their first time through it and them understanding uh, you know, what we can do if, if we're willing to, to play for the team and just stick with it and, and have uh, you know, more of a relentless work ethic and a, and a you know, determined mentality. And so um, we're going to test that further now. It's, it's mid-December. Um, there was a marked difference in uh, our approach and uh, just the commitment of the guys to – you know, we talk a lot about playing for the next group. Like you're on the ice, um, you want to have success pers- personally, but how can you uh, set the table for the next group of guys who are coming on the ice and leave them in a good spot? And you might not get any uh, personal accolades for that, but if everyone does it for each other, then uh, y- you know we're going to have some success. And uh, we're still not perfect. We got a ways to go, but I thought we. We got better as the year went on, sort of after that point, and grateful that we've been able to continue that process here uh, in in the summer. 
How did the mindset change? How, how different was the mindset of your team when you got them back in training camp versus when they left in March? It's probably um, two different changes. I think for the older guys, it gave them a lot of life and a lot of energy to, to know that we're going to have a chance to play playoff hockey. And uh, they thrive on that and they've had success before. And it's hard during the regular season to play the way you need to play to win when you're playing 82 games and you got to grind it out. And we're a team that, uh, you know, that's, that's where we're at as far as trying to get in the playoffs. And now, now that they're in, they were able to find another level uh, to their game. They've all answered the bell and played really, really well. And so, and then from the younger guys' perspective, I think it's just been, it's, it's allowed them extra time to keep developing and, and improving. And you put that together and, um, you know, we, we're an improved team. Thought it was uh, some some real interesting reflection by Jeremy Collison the other night, and uh, he doesn't allow himself to do that a whole bunch. He had some questions during the Sunday Zoom call after you know uh, the, the Blackhawks got a day away from the media on Saturday. He was asked again um, about his personal curve as a head coach, and just like he did the Robin Leonard question, he kind of set that aside, saying, "Okay, uh, Friday's in the rearview mirror. What we accomplished in that qualifying rounds in the rearview mirror. It is now time to focus on what's on our plate right in." front of us here and uh he kind of tapped the brakes on on wanting to go back there um and and i think you know he's going to get more questions about robin leonard and about his personal arc as an nhl head coach uh in the coming days as well but uh, i wouldn't be surprised to see him do the same thing but you know he finally opened himself up and and shared a little bit more i think after friday night's victory about uh what this process has been like and how important it is for some of these guys who have two or three rings in their jewelry box at home to uh to buy in and um uh kind of kind of believe in some of the philosophies that he brought aboard and eventually it all seemed to to click a little bit better than it had been at the outset. I think it said a lot after game 3 when the Hawks won that pivotal game and scoring two in the last 3 minutes or whatever it was. One of the first things Jeremy Colleton said was, this is what you play the game for. These are the types of games you you do this job for. I thought that was cool, and I mean, this could be me just making something up, but I feel like when the Hawks won Game 4, Jeremy was getting kind of emotional behind the bench. I thought I saw maybe just a little gloss in his eyes, because that's, that's a really cool, momentous series win for a guy that's... I would feel like he probably feels like he has to prove himself left and right. And his team just upset a number 5 seed, a team that situ- regularly should not be in the playoffs. But, um, you know, we, we keep we keep talking about how much more this team has to go moving forward. Jeremy Colleton is such a professional. He's not going to just totally relish in, in what the team just did. He's not going to constantly go down the hole of talking about Robin Leonard. I wish he would have added more to a few of those questions. Um, but, but that's just kind of not who he is. We gave it the old college try today. <laughs> well, quite. I did. I liked your question about uh, what's what's a celebration like in, in the quarantine bubble after a series win. What did Connor Murphy say? Oh, we had dinner. We played some cards. It's like, Maybe an slow. extra hour of Xbox. Or <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah. Slow down there, Connor. You don't want to go do too hard on the celebrating. Yeah. I wonder how they treat 19-year-olds, though, too. Um, uh, that's what it reminded be... me of. It, it was like, oh, what did you guys do after winning the soccer tournament? Oh, we took them out for pizza and ice cream, right. and it was, it was a great 
great time. <laughs> um, so if you're going to get uh, guys to buy in, it, it always starts at the top. And Jonathan Taves had himself a series here against Edmonton. It wasn't always perfect. It's not always going to be perfect, no matter what uh, a resume like Jonathan Taves' looks like when you have guys like Dreisaitl and McDavid you're matching up on on the other side. But in the end, the totals for Jonathan Taves, four goals, three assists for seven points, and making the uh, biggest series-clinching play when it was tied at two in Game 3 as we approached the midway point of the third period, winning a puck battle against a young defenseman in Ethan Bear, who's going to be really good. but he And a guy who, by the way, Bear, Bear was injured earlier in the game and then came back from that injury, so he may have been a little affected. Taking nothing away from the captain, though. That battle behind the net, behind Miko Koskinen, Jonathan Taves ends up winning it. Immediately spots Dominic Kubelik out front, and boom, there is your series-clinching goal, as it turns out, not without some anxious moments down at the other end against Corey Crawford. But uh, Jonathan Taves doing captain-like things that he has done here for the better part of, uh, what, uh, 12, 13 years here now with the Blackhawks. And when Jeremy was asked about his captain in particular, uh, the words of praise followed. And then, uh, in terms of a follow-up, he talks about, how lucky he is going to be and how lucky Kirby Doc is to have the example of Taves for Doc to follow in his footsteps. Big challenge, obviously, but uh, Johnny's been around a long time and he's uh, he's got a pretty immaculate track record in the place playoffs. And uh, you know, his to me is his biggest um, attribute that he has is his his compete level. You know, he wins a 50-50 battle on the winning goal, just finds a way to come up with a puck, and that's the winner. And, uh, you know, he came up big for us throughout the series uh, in those types of situations. So, um, great player. Looks like Kirby Doc had uh, used the break pretty wisely. I mean, what does it mean for him to have a guy like Jonathan uh, as a leader with your group? Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, for, for a young player coming up, it's a pretty good situation for Kirby to – to have guys like uh, Taves and Kane and, and Dunk and uh, just to, you know, it's it's uh, speeds up the process for him. And uh, Kirby, you know, as the year has gone on, he, he just, uh, he keeps getting better. And, and uh, you know, this playoffs here, I think really has brought out the best in him. And actually he's, I would probably say the same thing about Kirby, that his best attribute is his competitiveness. And, uh you know, that's that these types of games that's that's what separates the guys who get it done from the guys who don't so uh pretty excited about his his uh how he's performed so far and where he's going to go from here a real interesting point made by uh, my my Jeremy there and you know I think we said a couple times during the course of the season up until this past year, when when Kirby Doc was brought along, you kind of looked in the Blackhawks organization, uh, who was in the organization. Was there going to be a future captain down the road? Was was that person in the organization? And even though Stan Bowman took his share of hits for selecting Kirby Doc, I think somewhat surprisingly to myself and a lot of other people, when Alex Turcotte or um, you know the uh, defense prospect who ended up going to the Colorado Avalanche was there, that Kirby Doc was the name that was announced number three overall last June. But uh, we're seeing this kind of unfold before our eyes during the course of his rookie season, even more so since coming back from the return to play for the training camp, the phase two, the phase three, and a real strong. Um, 
Phase four start uh, in that series against Edmonton that uh, whenever Jonathan's days do wind down as a Blackhawk, you would think that Kirby Doc would be the guy next in line to wear that C. You remember those old CDs? Now that's what I called music. (laughs) If... if if, I want to see where this one's going. If, this, if Jonathan Taves' performance in this series were a CD, it'd be called, now that's what I call Jonathan mm-hmm. Taves. I mean, it, it was vintage number 19. He's winning puck battles. He's he's creating offensive chances. I mean, the first line was stellar in, in the four-game series. Granted, it should be. But Dominic Kubelik and Jonathan Taves may have been the top two people, maybe not in that order, Taves first, Kubelik second, probably the top two contributors in that series. Uh, again, I did like the defense a lot too, but I, I mean, that's just the captain taking over, and that's, that's again, his work ethic and, and everything he puts into his me- mental approach, his physical approach, and again, just to echo it, for the sake of the conversation we're having, that's what Kirby Doc did as well, and, and Kirby Doc is... Uh, I mean, I, I'm really interested to see how this series against Vegas will go, if he can contain, or rather, be consistent with that um, c- constant value he had, because it, it was it was amazing. It's, it's, there's going to be ebbs and flows, and even in that second game against Edmonton, you know, uh, the upper hand may have gone the other way, away from the Taves line, with uh, whether it was going up against Drysaddle or McDavid, and in this case, against the Vegas Golden Knights. Hey, it's not always going to be perfect either when you're going up against the likes of Marcia So, Stastny and Smith on one line, and probably Pacioretty, Carlson, and Mark Stone on another line. Those are going to be some of the matchups that Taves and Kirby Doc will in all likelihood see, but... Let's hear from Jonathan after, uh, again, he came up big, a two-assist game in the 3-2 victory over the Edmonton Oilers on Friday night, including that primary assist on the series-clinching goal. And uh, he was asked about you know, what these now two playoff rounds could mean for the younger guys on this team. Again, this is still the youngest team in the NHL tournament right now, uh, despite all the Stanley Cup know-how in that lineup from some of the grizzled veterans. So uh, he talks about what this kind of experience can mean for some of these younger guys, guys you know who seem to be jumping right in and getting it right away, others who are still kind of feeling their way out, as well as the satisfaction of him being back at this fun time of year, August, he kind of jokes about that, and uh, all of a sudden, kind of playing the underdog role to the hilt, and uh, a number twelve seed advancing to take on a number one seed here in this next round of playoffs. I think we all know nowadays you just you got to sneak in there, and that first round, anything can happen, and, and you see it right now too. That uh, you know, for us, it didn't really matter what seed we were. We knew what we were doing later in the season that that helped us play great hockey and win games. Um, and we got right back to that, and you know, uh, got to give credit to their top players. They still created, even though we gave them special attention all four games. But uh, you know, we stuck with our game plan. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to weather the storm when when teams come at you. But overall, um, guys are really sticking with that that team identity. And, and you know, it's great to not only get some some playoff like hockey, even though there's no fans in the building, but uh, the the pace is up, um, the intensity is up, and um, you know, it's it's fun hockey to, to be able to play uh, this time of year, I guess. It's a little bit different, but, um, you know, I think everyone's game is growing uh, with this experience. You know, we missed the playoffs for a couple of years. You know, you're bound to uh, have people kind of come down on you a little bit, but I don't think any of that's phased us. Uh, we're pretty eager um, to get this chance and show what we can do. So, technically, we just made the playoffs now, so um, the real fun begins, and you know, uh, 
we worked pretty hard in this series to to uh, to beat a good team, and we're going to have to you know dig deep and, and keep finding better and better um, in the next one. So it's fun. Uh, like I said, even though there's no fans in the building, uh, guys want to win. So um, nice to get that that uh, series win. I think everyone's feeling good. After uh, two years of frustration, for a while it was looking like three consecutive years, on top of two straight first-round exits against Nashville in 17 and the St. Louis Blues in 15, the Blackhawks find a way to, let's be honest, that's the way it's being called, win a playoff series for the first time since they clinched their third Stanley Cup with uh, the captain at the helm, and it was uh, good to hear a little satisfaction in his voice because you know we have talked about it. We even did it a couple couple of weeks ago when he took a couple of days away from the training camp practices about how much he cares, how much he wears it, and uh, how sometimes the the frustration builds up and and gets gets the most of Jonathan Taves. But uh, when he is at his best, we saw some of the things that he was doing, and I'm really curious to see uh, how his best. Hopefully his best holds up in this next round series. Yeah, you love to see when hard work pays off, and and that's clearly the case with the Hawks preparing for that first series, and especially Jonathan Taves. We talked about it a few podcasts ago, how he just lives and dies with the sport and the game and the team, and when you're the captain and the one being in charge, you just you take a loss. I, I'd imagine you take a loss just a little bit stronger just because of how much he puts on himself uh, to be the leader of that team. One stat I want to bring up before we go. They're the top six scorers for Vegas have 46 points in the regular season or more. Then we're just talking about the depth of this team. I mean, Edmonton had three players that had 46 or more points. And now, granted, they were just top-heavy mm-hmm. with Dreisaitl having 110, McDavid 97, and Nugent Hopkins with 61. The next number four is somebody with 30-some points. So th- this is a totally different team. That, that's the other thing. Their penalty kill is 27th in the NHL. So now we got the whole, can the Hawks perform in the power play once again? We're going to have that argument. We're going to have that conversation unless they finally put away the bugaboo and, and get past it. But uh, that's the thing. I mean, you're not going to beat Vegas by just beating them five on five. That'll definitely help, but you're going to have to take advantage of mistakes, and you got to limit them. I mean, the Hawks got away with a few penalties in that Edmonton series because, for some reason, the Oilers were just not that uh, power play dominant as the series progressed. They were in Game 1, but not later on. So uh, they're going to have to be a lot more careful, a lot stronger in multiple aspects, and not give up costly mistakes. Yep, and uh, outside of Robin Leonard, the other big move that they made approaching the trade deadline this year, you know, they got Mark Stone a year ago from Ottawa. They got an Alec Martinez, who was arguably you know the, the top defenseman that everyone was uh, looking to go after from the L.A. Kings. He's won a couple of cups with the L.A. Kings and had that knockout overtime deflection off of uh, Nick Letty back in 2014. Otherwise, the Blackhawks could very well have been going to a uh, second of th- what would be three consecutive Stanley Cup runs, uh, if not for him. So uh, this is going to be fun to watch. The bar is definitely set higher. The Blackhawks found a way to kill penalties in that last game, even though they were playing with fire. They went 5-for-5 five five on the penalty kill. Let's see if that carries over against a, a what was a number nine ranked power play during the uh, regular season. They were three for 11 
uh, Vegas's power play was in the three games during the round robin, and it all gets back, all gets back around to Robin Leonard and uh, Corey Crawford. Is that is going to be the uh, the headline, the main storyline as we begin this series? And as we record here on Sunday afternoon, still waiting to hear whether that is going to be on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Whenever they start, I would imagine it would be an every other day scenario. But we have uh, hockey to talk about, more of it for a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm grateful for that, and we uh, are grateful for you guys listening. Hope you guys are happy to see this, too, as we all wonder what's, uh, how many baseball teams are going to be able to survive. Hockey has done uh, just a phenomenal job, NBA as well, figuring this thing out. Yeah, a little easier when you're almost in playoff mode, but even though technically NBA isn't even in playoff mode right now. But... Uh, Travel is a killer sometimes in Major League Baseball right now. Even though they tried to re- regionalize this, the Cubs are sw- sitting around twiddling their twiddling their fingers here. And uh, what is it uh, as we speak here? Eight players, nine staff members, or vice versa for the St. Louis Cardinals. They hadn't played since July 27th. The Blackhawks have completed a, a, a complete playoff series since the last time <laughs> yeah, the St. Right? Louis Cardinals played. Now, yeah, so five, kudos to them. Five you know? games for the Cardinals, uh, 13 for the Cubs right now. The Sox uh, with the same number. No, even more. But, um, yeah, kudos to the NHL for figuring this out and figuring out so the far. right way. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, but still, I, I, I do think travel is the biggest aspect. You're right about that. But also, I think it's, I think it's the protocols. I think the NHL laid down the hammer harder and sooner and was very clear about the rules. But it is easier to keep everyone contained when they're in one central location. But still, definitely hats off to the NHL for figuring this out so far because it has been nothing but entertaining and just good clean hockey and and it's keeping the same narrative that we always see in the playoffs a 12 seed usually we're talking about eight seeds the 12 seed advancing on both ends with the canadians knocking off the pittsburgh penguins and you know now Um, now there's a bunch of panic in pittsburgh because they haven't i think they've won one playoff game since they went back to back on sending crosby's birthday right right uh you also have an 11 seed in the arizona coyotes advancing to take on colorado so that's entertainment. That's that's playoff hockey, whether you find it in April, May, or uh, now in these days, uh, these weird times, August as well. Blackhawks, Vegas Golden Knights will come back at you with a new podcast following Game 2, whenever that is. Actually, the day between Games 2 and 3. Uh, we'll see where they are. It's going to be interesting and fun to watch the Blackhawks move on after disposing of the host city, Edmonton Oilers, in four games. And now it's Robin Leonard and the Vegas Golden Knights. Thanks for listening, everyone. And be sure to follow Joe and I on Twitter. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand one. Thanks to Curtis Koch for producing the voice of the podcast, the real one, Ernie Scatton. And again, thanks to all of you for listening. We'll come back at you between games two and three of the first round playoff series between the Blackhawks and the Golden Knights. How about that? He's won it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore Brand One. That was great. <laughs>